The Response Source Journalist Inquiry Service connects you, the journalist, with PRs and organisations to secure expert comment, case studies and information for independent editorial, free of charge. Response Source puts you in touch with experts and PR contacts across all sectors, saving you hours of research and helping you meet your deadlines. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. And I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. Happy International Women's Day for yesterday, Lily. I didn't <laughs> actually say this to you yesterday because I took the day off. And it was so good. It was marvellous. I think it just really reminded me of how... I mean, I haven't had the option to take the day off because the kids have all been at home. Um, but of how we all just need to take a break every once in a while. You're no good to anyone if you're just kind of running on empty. So, uh, so what have you been what have you been up to in the past week other than encouraging me to sign up to ultras that ultra marathons that look really hard? <laughs> I know you say running on empty and in your day off you went for a run, quite a long one, after doing two two runs the day before yeah but when I got back I could just go in the bath and not have to prepare anybody any food or <laughs> deal with any conflict it was great yeah well funnily enough I've been writing about running this week I finally finished an article I've been meaning to do for ages so that's been nice to get that off my list um, I actually turned off my phone this morning and made sure I had no tabs open on my computer so I could actually get on and finish it so that was nice. Um, and another yes. little highlight, um, I actually had um, an, a podcaster called Mark Grist, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, he's got this brilliant series called Mark Can't Rap. He came and spoke to my students this week, and that was really nice because I felt a bit kind of geeky, a bit like, ooh, it's Mark oh, Grist. That's good. <laughs> was he inspirational? He was, he was. He's, he's great. He's a really interesting guy, and... He's got a new series coming out um, the end of this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it was really great to hear about kind of everything that goes into his podcast, which is very highly produced and kind of the complete opposite of this. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say it's probably on a bit of a different level. Um, okay, I think uh, we'd probably better crack on because we've got an awful lot to get through this episode. Uh, our topic this week is training and qualifications and more specifically what you might or might not need as a freelance journalist yeah so we've had a few episodes in a row now that have tackled some more sort of potentially tricky topics or things where there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer and I think a lot of it and this topic included um, a lot of it is it depends yeah, it definitely does depend. So maybe we should start by talking about what qualifications we have. Um, we've both been journalists for 20 years now because I know it was 20 years because that's when we met doing our journalism MA. Uh, we'd both done other degrees before that. Uh, mine was in biomedical science. So it was a complete uh, kind of 180 turn to go and do journalism. And although the course we did was NCTJ, accredited and we'll get on to more talking about the NCTJ later because I went off to work for a medical journal I never did the NCTJ there was no kind of facility for me to do that and I've actually never needed it or been asked about it 
since even I worked for a few years at BBC News Online so I've done very mainstream stuff and I've never needed it uh, I do put shorthand and media law on my CV because they're kind of skills that I've learned and have um, which people are always quite impressed by uh, but yeah Lily talk us through your qualifications because you went down a more traditional local paper route when we finished their master's yeah so I did a English literature degree and then obviously the print MA print journalism MA um, and alongside that, I did the NCG, NCTJ diploma, um, kind of on that course. And then I went straight into local newspapers and did the qualification that no, no one ever talks about, even now, actually. But I did the full, what was then the NCE, which is now called the National Qualification in Journalism. So your NCTJ is basically first part of your qualifications and then to be fully qualified you do this um, sort of national qualification so I did that whilst I was a trainee at a local newspaper and at the time it was really the only way people talked about getting into journalism if you wanted to work for a newspaper or even a magazine it was very much this is the way that you do it um, but obviously like we say that was 20 years ago Yes, I mean, the other thing that we should talk about before we bring our guests in is that you've actually done some research on this, because what you didn't mention is that you went to do the <laughs> PhD afterwards, so we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but you published a paper based on some interviews with editors about the importance they place on accreditation, so doing a course accredited by the NCTJ or BJTC, which is the broadcast equivalent. You found, I think you found the attitudes maybe changing on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd mention as well the other sort of main accreditation body is the PPA, which um, is sort of the magazine publishing industry. Yeah, my research did upset, um, well, it upset the accreditation bodies, shall we say, and also the Green Ink Brigade on Hold the Front Page, which um, I mentioned last week in our episode um, on trolling. Um, but yes, I did do this research. It was back in um, 2015, actually, and I did really in-depth interviews with 14 different editors across like a range of sectors so it was local national media and I included newspapers websites magazine broadcasters so I spoke to people from BBC Sky Press Association as well as sort of different magazines and local newspapers um it was really interesting actually and it was it was quite a mixed bag but the kind of key I guess the key findings were that journalism has become this sort of graduate occupation by default. It's never really been like planned or designed in that way. It, you know, people didn't used to have journalism degrees. They didn't exist, but they became quite popular and universities were like, oh, we'll have a journalism course. This is popular. Um, and that created this shift in industry. And then newspapers started to say, oh, we don't have to fund people to do training. Um, so we'll let the university get, get on with it. So it started as a postgrad course and then kind of switched to, to undergrad. So yeah, so basically that's kind of come about by accident really. Um, and basically employers have not really been involved in that process. And so what they were saying to me was that accreditation now or indeed um, applicants having a degree is actually not part of their selection criteria as it were there are some places where it is and they're very specific we want nctj 
but they're now not the majority, they're the minority. And actually what employers were looking for was a dem demonstration of skills, not a certificate, not a degree. Um, they wanted people that had digital skills. They very much wanted media law skills um, and people just with a good news sense. So kind of those old fashioned kind of skills in terms of the news, news sense side of it with the modern digital skills. Um, some wanted shorthand, some weren't fussed about shorthand. Um, so really, um, it all came down to, you know, are you good at hunting out a story and can you put it together in multiple different ways? Um, not have you got a journalism degree or are you accredited by a particular body? And that was the same in print and broadcast. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. And I suppose I should say that I acknowledge, you know, that obviously I make part of my income teaching journalism at university, but then at the same time, you know, through freelance for journalists, we train people with no formal journalism qualifications or education. And some people might think, well, that's a bit contrary. You're sort of doing both. But I think it kind of proves the point really that there is no one route into journalism and not one way is better than another. Um, university courses, credited courses can be brilliant, but also doing none of that doesn't stop you from working in journalism. So yeah, sorry, I've rambled on a bit on that. No, but... I think that's a really good kind of scene setting there. And actually when we're talking about freelance journalism in specific, specifically, that's, there's, you know, there's probably even more varied entry points and kind of varied backgrounds of those working as freelancers so I think we'll get on to a, a kind of a real in-depth discussion on this with our guests in a moment so let's get our top tips out of the way first so my tip is um it kind of ties in well with what you were saying Lily about there's no one way so mine is if you're deciding do I need to do a qualification do I need to do a degree what do I need to have rather than looking at routes or paths that other people have done to kind of copy well they did this so I need to do it that way I would turn that round and work out what's most important to you and what sort of journalism you want to do and um, kind of focusing your goals like a classic pros and cons list I suppose but how it relates to your circumstances what skills you have already um, and what's realistic in terms of training it might not be realistic to you that you you know spending thousands of pounds doing a degree and um, rather than thinking, well, this person who I am emulate or would like to be like has done it this way. So that's the way I have to approach it. I think that's, you know, you could do the exact same training as them and still end up in a completely different path anyway. So, uh, Lily, what about you? What would your top tip be? Yeah, and my views very much changed on this. I used to be much more of the traditionalist. And I think from doing my PhD, I've certainly got a different perspective on all of this. And the one thing I suppose that I get on my soapbox about a lot is if you're thinking about going to university, for example, to do journalism, then actually it's thinking about the bigger picture. And for me, university is not about employability and skills training. Hey, that's not what universities are. Um, and you can do a fast track, say a news associates course for a fraction of the price. Um, to doing a degree but that's not what you're going to university for you're going to university for that kind of broader philosophical education you're learning about critical thinkings about 
your place in society, you're developing independent life skills. Um, studying for a degree should be about education, not vocation. And I bang my drum about this a lot, um, but it gets confused on these kind of classically vocational courses like journalism. So I guess my roundabout answer or tip would be think about why you want to go to university. You know, it's not about I'm going to go to university and I'm going to get a job. It's about much, much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's bring in our guests because they've both had uh, different routes into journalism. So it'd be interesting to hear their take on this. So this week we have with us Anna Turns. Hi, Anna. Hi. She's a biology graduate. So we're two scientists here um, with 20 years experience working in the media. As a freelance environmental journalist, she writes about sustainability, the climate crisis, food and farming for many national publications, including The Guardian, Telegraph, Evening Standard, Positive News and Coast. Anna also teaches journalism to undergraduates at Plymouth Marjorie University. And she's writing a book which is due to be published uh, next year about how to make eco-conscious choices. Um, so thanks for joining us, Anna. Thanks for having me. And we also have with us Chandi Sembi. Hi there. Yeah. So some of you might have come across her excellent account on Instagram, which is So You Want To Be A Journalist. And this gives loads of great advice and tips for people wanting to get into or progress in the media industry. She also works as a content editor for Viacom Channel 5, and she's an NCTJ qualified journalist, having studied journalism at the University of Kent. So we're going to ask you both to talk a bit more about your journey into journalism, but let's hear your top tips first. Anna, what's your one bit of advice for anyone wondering how to navigate what training and qualifications they might need as a journalist? I think it all starts with work experience, actually, and that's whether you do a degree or not. So if you're going to do a degree, you still need to have that work experience on top of what you're studying um, to gain those contacts and to gain that real life experience. And likewise, if you're not going to do a degree, you need to build that up mainly through work experience as well. So I, I would say that that on the job learning is invaluable. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important point. And I think, again, it's something sometimes people forget because they think, you know, oh, I've got the degree, tick, I've done it. And, and they don't necessarily think about work experience. And Chandi, same question to you, really. What would your one bit of advice be for someone thinking about this? I think echoing what you've said, just do as much research as you can and work out what's right for you personally. Because, And then even if you've decided that you want to do a journalism degree over um, taking a different route into the industry it's also then deciding what sort of course you want to do like whether you want to do something more broadcast focused or more concentrating on print journalism just yeah I think try and think about yourself first and foremost and what you personally want out of your experience if you are deciding to go yeah I mean that's really that's the course that we did you could do a broadcast route or because it was just a one year or a print route you know there's various kind of and I was always interested in print journalism but it would have been no use to me if I wanted to go off and work in tv so yeah that's really really uh, important Anna so you have a pretty interesting background because as we've heard you never did journalism training officially but you're now teaching journalism students so tell us a bit more about kind of how you got into journalism and your route there so I um, studied biology at university and um, did a lot of work experience while at university. So I um, 
I did work experience at various magazines and newspapers um, and also TV production companies. Um, and I decided to, um, when I graduated, wanted to follow my kind of dream of um, working in wildlife television. So I worked for lots of independent production companies and eventually worked for the BBC on programmes like Spring Watch and Autumn Watch um, for a few years. Um, and so while I was at the BBC, um, I had lots of training on sort of short courses, kind of directing um, little VTs, little pieces to um, films and um, lots of storytelling, lots of script writing um, courses as well. And actually, it got to the point where I didn't want to be traveling the whole time. I wanted to be working at home, living where I was trying to live in Devon. Um, and it was quite complicated working with a big crew. And I realized actually the writing aspect of it was what I loved the most and the kind of the finding out lots of new things about lots of different things. So when I was a biologist, I had considered doing a PhD but I didn't want to know loads about one thing. <laughs> I wanted to ask lots of questions about lots of different things. And that's kind of where my um, drive has always come from, I suppose, in terms of finding stories. Um, and that's been the same, whether it's been in TV or, or magazines. Um, so I, I ended up working, um, leaving TV and working as a freelance writer, um, got a job at Devon Life magazine for a few years where I worked as staff writer and assistant editor um, and then about 10 years ago, I decided to go freelance again um, and really wanted to make a conscious effort to bring my biology back into my writing. So I kind of got distracted with sort of food and drink and lots of different aspects and really wanted to come back to that core of sustainability and, and use my um, studies effectively. Um, so I, I just, lots and lots of hard graft. I kind of built up my portfolio over the years and um, started writing for a lot more national publications. Um, but it's a lot of it was kind of self-taught, I suppose. It was trial and error. It was what things are working. Um, I did do sort of short courses and lots of webinars and those kind of things, but no formal um, training. Um, and then in September last year, I started um, lecturing part-time at Plymouth Marjon University. And actually they love the fact that I'm actively working in journalism and a lot of it is kind of self-motivated self-drive and that is a really good thing to pass on to students I think actually um, and like you said earlier in your introduction there's no there are no two journalists that are the same everyone has a quite a different route and my route has been quite random <laughs> I suppose but actually I've loved it and every single turn I've taken I've learned something from it and really that's informed my storytelling. So whether it is in radio or TV or magazines or online, actually it's it's all feeding into those skills, I think, and, and helping me be a better journalist. That's so fascinating, Anna, because I've never met, that is exactly why I went into journalism, that I was interested in biomedical science and I did like a stint in a lab and I was like, I can't work on one blood cell for <laughs> the rest of my life what is this like I was really interested in it but I just wanted to ask questions about lots of different aspects of it and kind of be across it and journalism seemed the um natural fit and I also share the view that to be a good teacher it's often quite useful to be working in journalism at the at the same time um so I think students really really like that and also um, did, yeah so did anybody ask you along the way 
what qualifications you had was that ever a no um no it wasn't it was what experience have you had in terms of work experience and previous work um when I got the lecturing job my portfolio was obviously a big thing in terms of what I've done and what I've achieved in terms of my work um and the fact that I had a degree probably helped um but they didn't want to say oh well you haven't got this so we're not yeah it didn't really come into the conversation it was more about what can you do and what kind of lessons have you learned along the way I suppose. Chandy, I mean your experience is obviously different and you've done an NCTJ accredited course um, I mean was that something you consciously kind of chose to do and, and kind of how important has that been for you so far? So it wasn't um, when I was initially selecting my university choices I wasn't really aware of it until I'd gone on a university open day to Portsmouth to check out their course and as soon as we had sat down the um, person leading the lecture or talk was sort of emphasizing how important it was and he went onto this job listing website and every single one he checked it was like NCTJ, NCTJ and that sort of scared me a little bit into only wanting to pick journalism degrees with an NCTJ qualification but um and like, I think the course I did was great. I learned a lot. But looking back, I think if you, if like anyone's looking to do a journalism degree, I wouldn't say an NCTJ is, it was beneficial to me. But I think if you found a course that you really, really love and it's your dream course, but it doesn't offer that, I wouldn't say to let that put you off. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting you say about they use that at the open day. I bet it was hold the front page that they showed you because that 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 is very traditional local newspaper jobs, which probably do all after NCTJ. But having said that, we've had students from our course and our course is not accredited that have gone to work in local newspapers and the local newspapers may have put them through those um, NCTJ exams themselves. So there are there are ways around it. Um, but there is a real battle, I think, between universities that are accredited and non-accredited. And obviously they're all sort of fighting for for different students. But yeah, that that's really interesting that they they use that sort of scaring <laughs> tactic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think um kind of moving away from qualifications specifically, Anna, do you think what skills do you think it's important to have as a journalist if you're thinking about your students and kind of the the skills that are gonna uh, help them <laughs> in the world of journalism do you think it's changed a lot in the last 20 years um, and I think expectations have changed a lot and I think actually students doing journalism degrees now are in a brilliant position to get skills from loads of different media all at once and lots of techie skills as well that you might only usually learn on the job um, and really kind of refine those and hone them before graduating. Um, so I think that's really, really important because I think actually if you're in-house rather than freelance, I think people expect you to be more adaptable and to be switching between like video or writing or whatever it might be quite quickly. Um, whereas maybe freelancers tend to be more focused on writing for print or online um, and then not needing so many skills like CMS for example because you're not you're, you're sending your copy off and then it gets sorted in the system you maybe don't have to be 
um, doing that all the time. Um, but I would say the biggest skill is that, like you mentioned before, that critical thinking, that curiosity, that hunting down a story, and then being able to translate that into, into really good copy. Yeah, and I suppose what you're doing is building their confidence along the way in a kind of supported absolutely. environment. Yeah, absolutely. And and doing that in lots of different ways. So doing, repeating those skills, but doing it in different formats, in different scenarios, in different environments, with different people, in different teams, all those kind of things. And that's building up that resilience that you need as a journalist. And then once you're in the big wide world, you'll be more adaptable and more... Um, uh, just yeah kind of easier to navigate I suppose in that landscape yeah there was a thread on Twitter um a couple of weeks ago talking about why do you need to do a journalism degree anybody can write a feature kind of thing you may have seen it there was quite a lot of comment about it um but actually it just made me stop and think everything that the students at the university that Lily and I both teach at do throughout the course and you know some of it is very kind of theoretical stuff around kind of ethics and um you know journalism's role in society and all that kind of stuff I mean Chandni what is your um what do you think were the most important bits or skills or kind of how you know that you gained from your degree well I went into my degree sort of I'd only done like two stints of work experience so I didn't really know an awful lot about what being a journalist actually entailed and what working in the media was really like and I think that the where the course I did was quite varied in a few different areas of working in the media and journalism I got to have the freedom to sort of do what I wanted to do which is I'm personally more interested in the digital side of things and that was something I got to really explore but as well as that I think the most valuable things I maybe wouldn't have picked up if I had done like enter the industry through a different route is probably the ethics and media law side of things because as much as when you're writing a story you kind of it's human nature to think oh probably shouldn't be writing this if it feels wrong but um there are yeah other elements that I maybe wouldn't have considered like um some of the stuff around publishing things about children maybe it's easy to forget or ethics surrounding people's personal lives sometimes I know there are a few editors out there who would encourage you to write a story about someone no matter how scandalous it is or how much it could affect their personal lives but um yeah for me I think it was good to have that sort of training and that knowledge. Yeah that that's really interesting and it's something um sort of following on from that that I picked up in my research was so I was speaking to someone from um should we just say a big national broadcaster um, who said he really noticed the difference between those that went to university and those that came straight in um, and he said the key thing was confidence was that people that had been kind of had time three you know three years um, at university had really built their confidence but those that were kind of new to it all you know, they were perfectly capable of doing the job. They were really good reporters, had really good skills, but they didn't have the self-belief and the confidence. And maybe it's having that time to kind of find yourself and having that independence as well that is valuable. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Chandney? 
I think that's a really good point, especially with what you were saying earlier about a university being more than just vocational, sort of building you up as a person. I do think that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a bit of paper saying you've studied for three years, but having that can sort of make you think, oh, I'm qualified for this job because I've done this, where I know definitely if I didn't have a degree, I would have the most imposter syndrome in the world walking into jobs and working with people who have had formal training. But um, yeah, I think it's important for young journalists to just believe in themselves and their abilities. Um, because like Emma, what you said earlier about anyone can write a feature, it's true. Um, I think especially things like that, that are kind of more personal experience based or opinions based, it's not gonna matter if you don't know shorthand or have media law training. Like you can still be a phenomenal writer. Yeah, I mean, shorthand's interesting, isn't it? Because <laughs> trying to convince students these days that shorthand is useful and like, I'll just record everything. <laughs> like, but then you have to listen to it back. It never, it never works. And now- I have to bite my tongue. Every well, time someone- it, Yeah, now they've got otter. Yeah, but every it? time someone puts on Facebook, oh, it's taking me hours to transcribe or my, I recorded something and my recorder didn't work. Oh, what shall I do? I'm just like, learn bloody shorthand. I think, I think, I, I think I'm going to kind of make myself sound like an old lady saying this, but shorthand is one of the most useful <laughs> journalism things that I ever learned. I mean, one thing to say is that we know from when we were um, kind of doing a bit of research and looking around for, for guests for the episode, there are so many people responding who said, well, I've been working in magazines for 20 years and I have never done any qualifications. I mean, people are very successful journalists. And I think he, once you have your first job, it's like when you, you know you do your GCSEs and at that moment in time, it's the most important thing ever until you do your A-levels and then you do a degree. And actually, once you're in the world of work and you've had your first job, the thing that people care about is your portfolio and what you've created and kind of where you've worked. And you always are kind of learning through all the bits of work that you do anyway and um, so I think just to kind of set the other scene it's very common um, and I think we've had this discussion Anna it is very common for journalists to be very successful and working and to have not had any training that's not an unusual situation absolutely and also for people to be journalists and to have another job as well <laughs> to kind of be multitasking it's not it's not just um yeah it's it's both sides of it definitely and and there is such a mix of different types of journalists different niches like as you've covered in your podcast before in terms of do you need a specialism or a niche it's it's not one size fits all at all yeah I mean you mentioned Anna about doing little bits of training and kind of short courses and things as you've gone on is that something else to bear in mind that you don't necessarily need all the skills at once but there are things that you can develop and learn because obviously the industry changes as well exactly and that's the thing the industry does evolve and the skills evolve and I think it's just having your finger on the pulse a little bit like I'm a member of um, lots of different organizations like NUJ, Guild of Food Writers, um, Women in Journalism and they're all offering webinars and short courses or, or day courses lots of different things and sometimes if I've got time and something particularly appeals I'll do it and and even just listening into a webinar can be really inspiring and kind of hearing how other journalists do things is is a really useful way of learning it doesn't have to be a kind of formal course of learning a skill it just it's constantly adding to your um kind of informing your craft I suppose 
yeah, yeah. which reminds me Lily and I both went to um uh, an online webinar last week uh with Jane Garvey and Terry White for International Women's Day and neither of whom have a journalism qualification or did any journalism training and now kind of at the top of their careers yeah and one thing I do wonder though is if there is a difference if you're freelance I mean we've sort of touched on this but it seems like sometimes there are sort of staff roles that are asking for particular qualifications although I would argue that they are few and far between now um, but obviously as a freelance you are presenting yourself and your previous work so you're not necessarily presenting yourself as someone with a qualification you're, you're rather you're someone with a portfolio so do do we need to be making a distinction perhaps between kind of whether you're thinking of freelance career or a or a more sort of traditional staff career I mean Chandney what's your thoughts on that do you think we should be making that distinction I think like most things and discussions around journalism it sort of depends on the person really and what their experience actually is so say for example if they're a freelancer who's written for a load of different places um versus a freelancer who just does freelance shifts for one publication i think that could um massively affect it but a lot, yeah like you were saying earlier i think in most job interviews it is more what skills have you got and can you tell us about when you've used a particular skill or how you've used a skill? I think what's interesting about what you're doing is you're, I mean, obviously you're giving advice and tips to other people, but at the same time you are demonstrating your own digital skills. And do you think that's something that kind of more people need to be doing now? Because there's a lot of graduates that are also setting up podcasts and newsletters is that the way of kind of trying to build up your CV? I think it's a really great way of doing it. And because especially it's so hard, it, like even more in these COVID times to get experience. Um, and as a young journalist, it can feel a bit impossible sometimes to try and get your foot in the door and to get experience at bigger publications. So starting your own thing, whether it be just an Instagram page, a podcast, a blog, it's a great way of showing off what you can do. And the advantage of um, starting it off just on your own is that you're not sort of, I wouldn't say limited, but maybe restricted in a way by having editors and other people putting their input in of what their vision is like. You're sort of just free to have complete creative control and really showcase what you can do. But um, I understand that not everyone has the time to start something up by themselves, but um, yeah, I, I would recommend maybe for people thinking that they might need an edge or something that sets them apart, um, it can be a great way to do that. Yeah, I mean, talking about setting yourself apart, one, one thing that having something like a degree or some kind of qualification can do is give you the confidence to say, right, I'm a journalist. I know how to be a journalist. This is what I do. And that's different from a blogger or an influencer. Is there a way to kind of set yourself apart and make it clear that it is journalism that you're doing without having that training or qualification? Anna, I'm going to put that really difficult <laughs> question to you. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because when you're writing for an editor, there's that constant feedback loop and you've got to have that um, 
you've got to have that credibility and you can't get away with anything less than really rigorous reporting and and you're holding people to account in a way and and um sharing a story on someone else's platform whereas when you're a blogger and influencer you're self-publishing and you're freer to say what you want and I just think it's a very different dynamic um and I think it does use different skills um some people do both as well <laughs> so although they're different you do find people that are blogging and massive influencers but also working as journalists so it as as we've said before it depends <laughs> yeah I know it does come back to this is journalism this was a question that Lily posed so I'm going to put it to her is journalism a trade a craft or a profession I think I wrote a whole chapter on that in my PhD <laughs> <laughs> okay go <laughs> I mean it's it's all of them and neither of them I guess really that 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 was you know that's my very kind of academic conclusion on that one <laughs> I don't know what 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 do others think I would say it's a bit of um I I I thought it was basically a mix of a craft and a profession so the actual writing I think of as a craft so I always think of Edward Scissorhands and his ice sculpture and it's always about kind of refining that and and really making a really beautiful piece of work and then the business side of it and the kind of um that mindset of being a freelancer is very much a profession I would say and it takes different skills I have to be in kind of different headspaces to do those two things yeah I mean I've always thought so when I think of oh, what do I do I'm a journalist that's a profession that's kind of an easy answer but if someone said to me is it only a profession then you, you start thinking well no but it's not a profession because you don't no, have any qualifications to get into it no I know so, but in my head, in my head, that is how I think of it. I know. I mean, you have to tick the box on, you know, what type of, yeah. you know, are you skilled, unskilled, professional? I always tick the professional. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Yeah. And you get to sign other people's passport forms. Yes. So we can. We have power. <laughs> okay. Shall we? Uh, shall we move on to our listener dilemma of the week? Yes, that's a good idea. So. This is a section of the podcast where we put your questions to our guests and we try to fix a problem you've been having or just give our thoughts on something you've been pondering. Yeah, so this week we have a question from Kirsty Purnell. She says, I always wonder how much research pre-reporting to do before I pitch. I've heard that it's best to present an oven-ready story to an editor when you're inexperienced and not known to them, so all sources set up and a thorough understanding of the issues. That makes sense, but I feel like there's a fine line to tread between thorough pre-reporting and keeping pitching frequency high to increase the probability of a commission. Now, Lily, this is something we do get asked about a lot because it's one of those kind of behind the scenes issues, that whole kind of pitching and how much do you have to have ready to go that when people are new to freelancing, they don't really know about. So, yeah, what would be your advice there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is trial and error. And I think in the beginning, you will spend a lot more time crafting your pitches, getting a really solid idea, um, like Kirstie says, lining up your sources. And then over time, it becomes, you know, as you get a relationship with an editor, it becomes much more sparse and it might just be like a line or two. Um, but I mean, some really good advice I got once when I first started freelancing was you you can kind of 
either go one way or the other where you do spend a long time crafting a pitch um, and for a specific publication or you take what she referred to as a scattergun approach where you just fire off pitches to lots and lots of people that are a lot briefer still you know you've got to have a strong idea there but not necessarily as developed and just try and get a higher strike rate um, by kind of quantity and I think you just got to try both and kind of see what is is most effective again like with all of this it just depends yeah um, and if, I mean I suppose it depends on how confident you are that your idea is more than just an idea as well that there are facts and figures or case studies who are going to be able to talk about it I mean it depends on kind of you know some of that pre-reporting might just be looking into a hint of an idea into more detail so that you can sell it you need to be able to sell it um convincingly uh, but I would never do for example I would never do a full interview with somebody before I got uh, a commission just maybe a chat with them so that a little kind of maybe even a little email thing just to kind of get the you know they're happy to speak and here's the the top line of it because I I don't want to do work without knowing that I'm going to get paid for that work at the end of the day that's kind of a balance to find isn't it Anna what, what would you say about this so I would say there's a really common pitfall of pitching a subject and not a story and I kind of feel with a lot of pitches you need those contributors identified even if it's not all of them to guarantee that you are telling a story and that you can demonstrate it's real rather than just saying I'd like to write a feature about living by the coast like it's it's got to have an angle and and when you've got that little bit more research you can prove you've got that angle and you can include a couple of really short pull quotes for example and it shows you've done your work and I think when you are building up those relationships with editors which are so crucial I think it's really important to to do that legwork and it does take time but that's making sure that you're um targeting it to them specifically and really tailoring it to them and to their to a specific slot in their specific magazine or whatever it might be um and so it won't be wasted because you can then tweak that if it did get rejected you could tweak that to a different to a different editor yeah absolutely I mean I think yeah it's a it's a fine balance between knowing you've got a story and doing all the work and having a feature ready there's no point in that because the editor is going to want to work with you on that commission and, and what that and what that looks like. Chandney, what would what would you have you got anything else to add to what we've said? I mean, the theme of this seems to be it depends, but again, <laughs> with this, um, because like you were saying that if you have a relationship with an editor already, you like you said, you might be able to just send a line and they trust you enough to want to commission you based just off that. But if you're pitching somewhere new. I think a lot of places nowadays seem to actually have pitching guides, which can be so helpful because then you know exactly what you should and shouldn't include. And so you're not doing loads of extra work when it's not necessarily what they want to see. Um, so I think, yeah, dig around for um, any pitching guides on the websites or if you want some other information, maybe if you find them on Twitter and scroll a bit, sometimes if they have a pitching call, they might be asking for specific things which can help you get a better idea of where you should or shouldn't pitch and 
when looking for people. I think you're completely right in that you should have um, kind of people you can talk to, but not whole interviews done. And um, I've seen recently people posting calls out to say, um, would anyone be willing to speak about this? It's not commissioned yet, but it might be commissioned. And if it is, can we chat sort of thing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's that idea of, yeah. of in principle, get people lined up in principle, but don't, yeah, don't get a full interview done. Brilliant. Well, I think this time to uh, bring the episode to a close. So thank you very much to Anna and Chandney for coming on and sharing their experience and advice with us. It's been really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fascinating. Um, if you want to know more about us, including our newsletter, then head to freelancingforjournalists.com. You can also find out about our webinars and our journalism work experience initiative as well. And all the other resources we offer are on the website. We're also on Twitter where we're at Freelancing4 and you can follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Gerno. And if you're not already there, then come on over to our Facebook community, Freelancing for Journalists. Uh, it's a really good place to um, put questions, meet other freelancers. And you can also find us on Instagram. If you feel like giving us a thumbs up or review on the podcast, don't be shy. We really like hearing from you. And once again, thanks to our producer, Richard Wilson, for sorting out any edits for us. Yeah, so next week we will be talking about finding a mentor. Bye for now. Goodbye. Goodbye.